Wow, I love having legends on the show, and what a legend Paul Reed Smith is. Man, today he is plugging in. He's a great guitar player, y'all. He's plugging in one of his great PRS guitars into a great PRS amp, and he's hanging with us. And this one-on-one hang is made possible by Blue Microphones. Thank you, Blue. Blue, man, they've been making mics for 25 years now, and today they're the mic of choice for millions of musicians, podcasters, and creators worldwide. You'll find their mics like the Yeti and the Bluebird just about everywhere, from the top recording studios to videos all over YouTube, because people choose Blue to elevate their productions. You know what? I'm actually, I'm elevating my production right now. Do you hear the difference? I usually use like thrashable stage mics, but today I'm using a Blue handmade cardioid mic from the upper end of their line. It's so clear. I know it's clear. I can hear it in my headphones right now. It's kind of another level. This mic's actually called the mouse. I think Trent Reznor uses it. Anyhow, whether you're just starting out or looking for a new sonic color to add to your music and your mixes, check out bluemic.com. Click over there. That's bluemic.com. And click get started to find the mic of your dreams. So yeah, I'm super thrilled to have Paul Reed Smith, Paul Smith to his coworkers, Paul to his friends, on the show. I did some clinics with him about nine years ago at MI, which were great. And I see him at NAM once in a while, but this is the first time we really got to connect and it was really cool. I love his guitar playing too. And what I also love is that he's just interested in my guitar playing. I mean, that sounds self-centered, but I don't mean it that way. I mean that I love that the magical fascination with guitars that got him into this business all those years ago is 100% alive and well in him today. He still has that childlike wonder that got him started. And it's that wonder that, you know, creates these great guitars and amps and basses and acoustic guitars, employs over 300 people. It's really cool. And also, he's got the Paul Reed Smith Band. These grooves are right up my alley. I love his music. Now, check this out. You can interact with Paul and several other great musicians soon at this really cool virtual guitar camp. It's called the Paul Reed Smith and Maryland Hall Live Virtual Music School. It's super easy to sign up for this thing. It's August 10th through 13th, like a fat four-day weekend of guitar and bass and drum clinics, music clinics. Paul Reed Smith will be teaching. Tyler Larson of Music is Win, you know, the great YouTuber and guitar teacher, he'll be teaching leading clinics. Tim Pierce, one of the top session cats in America, teaching. And check it out, drummers, Dennis freaking Chambers will be there too, teaching. Also speaking of funky rhythm section, Gary and Greg Granger, the Granger Brothers, and many other talented musicians close to Paul that's online. That weekend that I just mentioned, August 10th to 13th, it's just $100. That's like $25 a day. Live streamed. All you need is an iPhone or whatever, smartphone, tablet, computer. It'll be live streamed from Maryland Hall in Annapolis, Maryland. It's cool because you get to interact and ask questions with all the teachers and Paul Smith. And each day you'll have a chance to win a brand new PRS guitar. And don't worry, if you miss something, you can always go back later because you were a registered guest and you can check out 
the stuff that is streaming. It'll be archived for you. Just head to MarylandHallMusicSchool.com. They would love to see you. Well, I hope all you guys are staying COVID-19 free. Be healthy. This is episode 118 of No Guitar Is Safe. I am Jude Gold. Thanks for listening. And remember, Blue Microphones made this possible. They've been making mics for 25 years, and they are the mic of choice for millions. All kinds of content creators, including podcasters. And whether you're just starting out or looking for a new color to add to your mix, find your perfect microphone at bluemic.com. All right, keep it alive to you, 95, y'all. Let's go coast to coast with the copter. Nice room you got there. Mm, it's got guitars in it. Where's your guitar right now? Sweet! Look what I, I got this. I'm holding the uh, Vela S2. You like it at all? I love this guitar, man. I've taken... I have filmed a Jefferson Starship live concert video in Chicago with it. And... Uh, it's not out yet, but a 90-minute concert, and it's, it's I, I like to say that it's as light as a balloon animal. It's great. So you're the, you're the guitar player in Starship now? Yeah, I've been doing that for eight years. That's and, great. Uh, I got a story to tell about him. About? What was his, the guitar player, what was his Craig name? Craig Chiquiso? Yeah. So I showed him a guitar once, and he, and he said, and he pointed at the headstock. He goes, nice headstock, and he ran away. <laughs> okay. I swear to God. Okay. Ran away. It w- that wasn't a good day for Paulie, but you know. What do you mean? He was like, he didn't like the headstock? He literally, he didn't want anything to do with the guitar. He didn't want anything to do with the meeting. He goes, nice headstock, and he ran away. Interesting. Well, you know, was he a carving guy then, or? I don't know. He had a pretty. Uh, maybe, a vintage, maybe a vintage guy at the time. I don't know. He had a solid deal with carving for a long time with lots of yeah. full-page ads and such, yeah. so... Yeah, I was a big fan of the tones he got on a lot of those records, like uh, Modern Times. Is Marty singing in the band? No. Yeah. Bar- Marty passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. Two years ago, but uh, or a year, year and a half ago. Thank you. But we do have a new album coming out, and Marty Ballin has uh, a one co-write on there with our keyboardist, Chris, and it's kind of fun. Great. I got a co-write with uh, Kathy, our singer, and Grace Slick. <laughs> but uh, What's wrong with that? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. So you, I grew up on that music. So you guys look like you're recording nicely over there, and you got a um, mic on the amp, I guess, or something. I'm just double-checking. I have to be the nanny engineer because we're doing this over 3,000 miles. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you'll get the audio. You'll get the audio. Dude, that sounds sweet. What, what are you holding there today? Tell. Well, we didn't have our experience, so this is an experience 2020 guitar. And it's got the new pickup system in it, and I don't know, I... I like this guitar. It's got a nice sound to it. I like it. So is that a COVID beard or is that a permanent beard? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, this is like a probably more of a COVID-19 sort of five-day shadow happening. Or a week long. See? Yeah, yeah. It's made of pure COVID molecules. I'm I'm yours. Let's go. Yeah, I would love to 
cover a few different things, like starting with your guitar playing side, because you are such a great guitar player, man. Ah. You are. Let me tell you a story, if I may flatter you, but I consider this to be a very nice compliment to any guitar player. After eight hours of NAM and seeing a billion guitar players, sensory overload, I'm in the Marriott lobby, which is just always, if you go to NAM, you know it's chaos. There's so many people. There were there. a thousand people in that there's lobby. There's always that a night. thousand, and there's like band after band, and people crowded at the bar and stuff, and all of a sudden, something pulls me, and I hear this great guitar tone and great guitar playing. And I'm like, man, who's playing right now after this whole day? This just sounds great. And I look over at the stage, and it's you and your band, and you're rocking yeah. out, man. We were having fun. We knew that we would never hear a note we played because we knew there'd be no monitors. Right. So we rehearsed for like four days in a row so that if we had no monitors, we could still play. And literally, she had in-ear monitors, and the engineer said, if she wears in-ear monitors, you're cut off. And that was it for the monitors. It was over. The drummer was behind a piece of glass. When we got done, Gary said, I didn't hear a note I played, and we got through the whole thing because we rehearsed knowing we would have no monitors. True story. <laughs> well, that's great. That's a very smart plan, and I think you've always been one of the smartest guys in the room. And again, I'm flattering you, but I believe all this stuff. What, what got you started playing guitar? What did you fall in love with? Like, I'm going to pick up this curious object with wires on it and frets, and I'm going to... You know, a lot of people got into guitar so they get dates. I got into guitar because I love the sound of it. I like the way... I like the music. I, I, I was stunned by the quality of guitar playing going on. You know, at that time, it was the Allman Brothers and Hendrix, and... And uh, I heard Henrik's record the first day it came out and the, the, all the Led Zeppelin stuff the days it came out. And, you know, we couldn't even believe what we were hearing. Yeah. It was a, a completely new ball game. And, you know, when this happened... my god what is that oh yeah you know for for me um you know there was a what well, how's it go i'm trying to remember there was uh so many tunes um which was a lick that Richie Blackmore played, or there was... Which is an old Paul Rogers tune, or there was... Well, I was born. Remember the white trash thing? I, love God, that. I was dying. I loved it all. It was not one of it I didn't like. Did you have a musical family or anything? Or I know your dad was like a well, mathematician. Did you, but were you the first musician? Yeah, but we were the family that used to go uh, caroling at Christmas, you know, and sing songs. There was always music in the house. My mother brought this one record home. Since these guys are going to be huge. It was Meet the Beatles, right? Yeah. Um, my brother brings this record home. It was a black guy with a fro and two white guys with fros. And there was eyes on this guy's shirt. And I'm like, what's that? And it ended up being Hendrix, right? I didn't know. Yeah. I had no idea. 
I took the cellophane off the record without my brother's permission. And by the time I got to Are You Experienced, I was cooked. <laughs> it was over. I said, oh, my God. I mean, I never heard anything like it in my life. It was extraordinary. You know, this... Um yeah. loved it i loved it dude i love your groove too like you have a band of obviously you've always played gigs yeah. i guess and on spotify yeah. you got the paul reed smith band like this tune truth will set you free funky that's like there's you, you have a lot of groove in your playing which i love what were your, some of your That's groove cool. influences or your other than what you've already mentioned uh when i was a kid they played james brown in the house that was um popcorn was the theme song of the radio station in annapolis but you know for me um like uh the yellow moon I mean, how can you not get excited about that? Dude, you are so funky. I love this. We are showing the world how funky Paul Smith is. <laughs> I was trained by the best. You get in a band with the Granger Brothers, and you ain't got no funk. They never call me funky in that band. <laughs> are you kidding? Well, I'm a- I was going to say, the best thing you can ever do as a musician is to, uh, is to surround yourself with people who are funkier than you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Paul, I made uh, a mistake here. I got to turn off my air conditioning. I'm so sorry. I'll be right back. Thank you for that. So it, to be allowed to play with them is an admission that you must have something going on. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's cool. Look, I mean, you're a good rhythm guitar player. Thank you. You enjoy playing rhythm guitar player? I live for it. I love it. I, well, uh, yeah, I love the funk. Do it again. Wait. It's hard to resume, huh? It was in time over here. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, yeah, I can. <laughs> I'm happy to play rhythm for you. You can jam over it again. No, 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 no. no. That was what was left on the table. Had I started doing that, you would have been done in the office. Yeah, well, I, I want you to play. I like I like you to play. Is it interesting to you, like, to be, you're one of the great luthiers and guitar creators, and you're a total player, but then what do you think about Leo Fender? I guess he wasn't a player at all. So. No, neither was Ted McCarty. They had to interview people. The Stratocaster and a Telecaster and the Les Paul and all that stuff were all done interviewing guitar players. Which is they, if they're not going to play, they got to interview a lot of guitar players. The Fender people did it in California, and the Gibson people would do it in New York every year. Yeah, you know, 
I, I, there's so many stories about all that, but I don't even know how you make guitars unless you know how to play. I, but I said, how'd you do it, Ted? He goes, well, I had 50 years of guitar makers there. When I got there, I just made all the, the employees the teachers. <laughs> it's brilliant, actually, yeah. Yeah, now... So I don't know. I It's nice. To, nobody brings up my plan very much. I, I, look, for me, you know, the school that we're starting, it's a combination of what you're talking about. It's... So rhythm and then melody. Oh man, sweet. So the definition of a melody is a string of notes in rhythm and pitch that sound like one thing. Da 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 da, and you can say, "Oh, that's Happy Birthday," right? And then the last part is harmony, which is more than one note at a time. So if you can do harmony and melody and, and rhythm together, you can play music, right? Yeah. The thing that's interesting for me is if you do rhythm and harmony, you work. If you do rhythm and melody, you work. But if you do harmony and melody and no rhythm, you don't work. Fascinating. So we, we spend a lot of time with, the, with these students on rhythm. So, you know, Dennis Chambers and the Granger Brothers and all these people are going to be teaching groove because without groove, you don't work. And you got a beautiful groove. Oh, well, if you're talking to me, thank you, brother. Um, this is a perfect I, I segue. I was talking. <laughs> well, should I, should I change the subject? I was talking to you. But to me, you got to learn all three, and I got them separated. And so I was taught, Ralph Perucci actually started that, and he was taught it by um, Billy Holiday's guitar player. That music's three things, harmony, melody, and rhythm. You got to learn them all separately and then put it together at the end, which it's the way we yeah. teach, you know, Tyler and Larson and Tim Pierce and Dennis Chambers and Gary and Greg and me and Ewald and Alt and Mia, everybody. We're all, and Bill Nelson, we're all teachers teaching from that point of view. It's great. And uh, yeah, you're obviously talking about the Paul Reed Smith and Marilyn Hall Live Virtual Music School, August 10th through August 13th, four days, live stream event. If you join it, you uh -huh. can... Also, have access to the recordings of all the events later if you miss some of the streams. Yeah. Cool thing. I know you're giving away guitars each day. This is a really cool yeah, thing. We're going to give away guitars at a different time every day, so you have to watch the whole thing to win. Uh, how do you win it? Is it a guitar contest? Well, you're, we're going to have a prepared question that you could never have planned for. And the first, you know, we'll have to do it different every day because otherwise everybody won't watch, right? Yeah. And I, if they want a guitar, they got to stay in. That's it's 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 a little bit of a stunt, but it'll work because yeah, we're gonna yeah. give guitars away. Hey, yeah, that's fantastic. So this is a annual thing, you think? Or so last year we did it at Maryland Hall with students, and when they called me after they were done, they said, "Well, you know, I go home, I can hear the rhythm, I can hear the harmony, I can hear the melody." I'm, but basically, ear training, I can hear the different parts in the music now where I couldn't hear it before. When we just we were going to cancel it this year, and then the more we talked about it, well, why don't we just do it virtually? And Dennis said he'd do it again. But then we called Tyler and Tim. You want to be involved? They said absolutely. And then Lee Anderton uh, helped last week. Uh, he's got twenty seven thousand views on the video. And then Tyler, I think, talked to you, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so everybody seems to be joining together, Jude. I I think that. Uh, 
thank God, but we were going to cancel it. And then we said, now, wait a minute, we might be able to do this virtually. Yeah, if anyone can pull it off, it's you and your team. Let's go back to the school for a minute. Yes, please. For one second. It's only 100 bucks, so yeah. it's $5 an hour. You can pay $50 for an hour guitar lesson. And this is five dollars yeah. for all the ma five dollars an hour for all the master class. It's only a hundred bucks. So, you know, I, I hope people do it. We've got seven hundred people, seven hundred fifty people signed up now. Yeah, so Re far so good. Remind us where they we'll where, where can people register? Mailonhall.org. It's mailonhall.org. Um, you can go to Tyler's site. You can go to Tim Pierce's site. You can go to Marilyn Hall. How many employees do you have now? By the way, two hundred three three hundred and fifty six. Three hundred fifty six employees man that is crazy so um as a kid let me if i could get just like a 10 cent picture of you and how you went from being a whatever kid to creating this amazing company what were you doing as a kid before were you like the project kid were you always building stuff were you a science nerd what were you i was the kid that wasn't allowed to have the gear so if i didn't have a base i made one if i didn't have a base cabinet i made one if i didn't have a pa i made it because my dad wasn't going to buy me the gear. And, you know, everybody else, you know, had their basements and, you know, drum sets and Telecasters and all this stuff. I didn't have it. So I made it. I mean, we can't stop me from making it, right? Yeah. What was the first um, piece of gear you built and how old were you? doesn't even have to be a music piece of gear. I built folded horn bass cabinets with single SROs that were built like electric voice eliminators. And I used them as bass cabinets. Oh, yeah? And I was fascinated when I got up inside the... Eliminator, and I realized it was a folded horn, and it, you know how it worked. I, I was like, "Oh, I can make this." But for me, um, I, I made a bass once. Um, I used to make guitar amplifiers. First time I took a guitar apart, there were no parts in it. I couldn't believe it. You know, it's like there's no parts in this thing. It's two pots and a capacitor. I figured it was low to electronics. I picked so that was probably like kindergarten, right, for a guy like you. <laughs> no. no, I started very late. So you were saying back when you were. 12 or something. So, now, the, as the story's interesting. My father bought me a bicycle when I was about five years old, four or five years old. And he was putting together, and at the time, you took all the parts out and you laid them out on the cardboard box that came in and you built it, you know. And he was building it, and I kept saying, let me help, let me help. I knew how to put it together. And he said, no, no, no. I said, no, come on, let me help. I, I, I can do this. No, no, you, you don't know what you're doing. I swear to God... I had a sense of how to put the bike together. I believe it. And I was five, which is kind of weird. You know, the first time I went to Spain, the motherland of the guitar, I felt like I was home. It was kind of, and I've always looked at pictures of me really young making guitars that are almost the same as we make now. And I go, how did he know? How did he know what to do? And some, some you know, sometimes I, I don't really know, have an answer for it, but I've always had a knack for putting things together. The music came much harder. The music, I had a vibrato, but I had no feel, and I played ahead of the beat, and, you know, I didn't know I didn't know how to put a diminished chord in the middle of Yellow Moon. I didn't know how to do it, right? Right. But uh, I'm a slow learner. I've gotten around. I've got come around. But I, somehow, weirdly, I've had a sense of how to make things. If I wanted to make it, I'd just, uh, let's go make it. It's just not that big a deal. Not everybody who has that sense. Now, that is a cool sense to have, by the way. It's kind of like having perfect pitch. Like you see like your dad trying or, or just having good melody. Some of your dad's trying to play a melody on the piano and you're a little kid and you go, I think it goes like this. Ding, ding, ding. It's the same. Do you have perfect pitch? I don't have perfect pitch really, but I have pretty solid pitch. I mean, I have, you know, good ear. I've seen Ricky Skaggs have yeah. perfect pitch. 
I didn't, and, and they sp they sped up all the uh, Bob Marley tunes, and the people of Perfect Pitch supposedly go nuts. Yeah, I, that yeah, does because it's not it's not it's not in tune with you know standard tuning. I think I can hear that too. Like that bugs me, but I I'm not the kind of person who can be like, oh, that note you're singing is between A and A flat. Like you know, that's rugged. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a few friends. So we were in the studio once, and Ricky Skaggs was sitting in the control room, and there was a gifted horn player in the room. And he goes, hey, Marshall, can you play the high F note? And he whistles it. And Marshall said, sure. Anybody who was in the room the first time with Ricky couldn't believe what just happened. He whistled it perfectly, knew what the note was, yeah. told him ahead of time, didn't have a guitar, wasn't trying to figure out what the key was, anything. And anybody that had been around him acted like nothing special happened. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't know. Look. I have no idea why I'm able. I was able to make guitars like that when I was young. It wasn't hard for me. Um, although the day I finished Carlos Santana's first guitar, I'll tell you, Jude, when I pushed the last screw in it and I played it, I put it on the bench and I couldn't believe I'd ever touched it. I was like, I put my took my hands off. I, I because you got to drill all the holes for the pickup rings. You got to cut all the pickup holes. I mean, I could have screwed it up at any point, right? Yeah. And I couldn't even believe I touched it. I was like, I did, how did I even get involved in it? And that guitar ended up changing my life. But I don't know. I, I was always told that, uh, that if you made something magic, they beat a, uh, a path to your door. And then I made a guitar that he played on what was then late night TV. And the entire night of Tom Snyder was nothing but close-ups of this guitar. And I had convinced myself that that happened. My whole life would change. I went downtown. Nobody acted any different. I didn't have a date. Nobody <laughs> did anything. All, the only thing that the moment did was get me an appointment. If I said, "Can I? will you talk to me about buying guitars? Oh, I've heard of you. Yeah, come in. That was it. That's the only thing that changed. Well, that's an important change. So how did you go? Yeah. I mean, not everybody who's gifted mechanically and design-wise can necessarily build a business. How do you? How did you go from there to actually building an astonishingly successful company and- I got a teacher. Yeah. I got a teacher. I got a teacher. I've gotten a teacher for everything. I go and drain the old guys of every piece of information they have. So if it was a violin maker, I was talking to them. If it was a patent attorney, I was talking to them. If it was a business guru, I was talking to them. If it was whatever. You don't think I that Gibson lawsuit- Believe yeah. me, I had somebody by my side. I had yeah. somebody by my side that had won one of the last trademark cases in the Supreme Court. He knew what he was doing. Um, I don't know. Look, Always teachers. Who's your guitar teacher? Who was, your, who was the person that did it for you? Well, I mean, too many to name. We're talking dozens. Not just play teachers that taught me directly, but like learning off of records and back in the day with headphones and staying up all night, learning Steve Morse. You know what I'm talking about. Do you, do you know a Dregs? Is that a Dregs tune? That's a Steve Morse band tune. But, you know, I remember staying up until like 4 a.m. learning that as a 15-year-old. That was a teacher. I mean, there are every, you know, I agree with you. If you're around people that are funkier or more experienced in lawsuits or more experienced in manufacturing that's the best thing you could possibly do all right so you just played a morse look i'll show you one of the licks i spent weeks on yeah okay 
That's off of Barbaletta, I think. I say, how does he do that? How can he play two notes and it sounds like him and somebody else plays the same two notes that don't sound like him? Yeah. God, that took a long time. You got some tone. You sound so good. You mentioned harmony, rhythm, and uh, melody, but melody, tone yeah. is important too after a certain point. Sure it is, but... I spent so much time on my vibrato, so I couldn't do this, but I could bend it and do it, which is in yeah. your wrist, right? Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. I thought that that gave it all the emotion. So I spent three weeks in my bedroom just going after. I I couldn't play any scales, but I could wiggle them. <laughs> I know. I heard a, a high school, my band in high school, and my vibrato was like this. Like, it's, it was a little bit shrill. Cipollina. <laughs> right. right. Cipollina yeah, vibrato. That's true. I think he would use a bar a lot. Is that where it came from? I think he used the SG like with a bar, right? Yeah. Then it, there's so many different types of vibrato now. Anyway, I like it. So 35 years now. Congratulations on that. I, I, I have a friend. I, his name is Tosin Abasi. He just started a guitar company. As you might know, Abasi Guitars, very modern, no headstocks, fan frets. What advice would you give a new entrepreneur joining and trying to build a guitar company? I begged Tosin to let me make him guitars. Yeah. Did you see the one I made him? I did. I, I made him a it. seven. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was okay. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I, I spent a lot of time with Tosin talking to him about it. Um, I want him to be successful. I want him to be successful. Yeah. He's very, very intelligent. He's very determined. He knows what he's doing. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Stupid smart. Pretty good guitar came player. Came from my town, and I, and I didn't even know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, came from D.C. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Well, Atiel is from D.C. I didn't yeah. know that either. Oh, man. Well, your friend of mine, Mike Scott. From DC, yeah, super, no, Mike, super funky. So, so, so's the uh, guitar player. Um, it's Mike Stern. Oh yeah, yeah. Another, I know Mike. He's been on the show here. Both those, really? both of those mics have absolutely. I'm a. It's a guitar player with two minds at the same time. He goes back and forth between blues and bop constantly. Oh yeah, i I've got a lot. Of, he's got the blues lick, and he's got the Charlie Parker lick that I stole. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Mike Stern fan, but I don't know. I just like music. Uh, I mean, if that's clear at this point, <laughs> it is. I just think that get gifted musicians can bring the hair on your arms up. I mean, oh, yeah. somebody if you stand on the side of the stage when Eric Johnson's on, it'll bring the hairs on your arms up. Yeah. I saw Jeff Beck on the side of the stage once. Oh my God, it was not of this world. Yeah. At one point, he started doing car car uh, like drill sounds. Oh yeah. You know. It was making every car sound mixed with. One at one point, Judy was playing har, a harmonic and playing the the melody with the arm. Oh We yeah. thought he was doing it with a slide on the record, but he was doing it with the arm. That must be "Where Were You" or that song. Yeah. Most, yeah. yeah. Stunning. I saw that. I remember he first came out with that on the Guitar Shop tour, and I saw that tour. I couldn't believe, and I was like, you know. 200 rows back because it was Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan and Jeff Beck doing a double bill at an arena. And uh, yeah, that is an epic. I movie. was at that tour, and at one point, a guy puts his fingers in his mouth and goes, whoop, whoop. 
And Jeff looked at him and goes, whoop, whoop, on the guitar, <laughs> same note exact, within about a second. You mean like that whistle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, loudest. Yeah, he did that, and Jeff did it exactly the same, and we all, was, nobody could talk. We re realized we were in the presence of a genius, period. Now, Talk about yeah. perfect pitch. He didn't search for it. Incredible. Now, speaking of these players that make your the arm hairs rise up and give yeah. us goosebumps. Yeah. You have so many of them that are on your roster as signature artists. Like maybe you could tell us, give us some insights into some of them. Like you, well, let, let me start off with when I was in JGB band in 1998, which was four members of the Jerry Garcia band. So it was kind of Grateful Dead related. This incredible band came on eight shows with us and they were another dead related band called Jazz is Dead. And this dude showed up playing. I mean, obviously he's well known. Uh, Paul Reed Smith, hollow body, two F holes. Yeah. Jimmy Herring. Jimmy yeah. fucking Herring. And I, the first sound check, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He had the, yeah. he was going back and forth with a pedal between the Marshall and the Fender amp. Yeah. And just that, the, you know, making that guitar sustain and feedback. He was owning it. Yeah. He's really gifted. He's gifted. He's absolutely gifted. All right. So let's start with Carlos. Yeah. Carlos has the ability to play to the last person in the arena who's going to get a beer in the bathroom and they're still singing the melody. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Right. He's a not just a radio guitar player, but he's a arena sing melody guitar player. Right. Same thing with Neil Sean, who grew up right underneath him, right? I yeah. mean, they play these melodies. Da -dee -da -dee -da. I can, you, it's, it's unbelievable. The best gunslinger I think I ever witnessed was David Grissom, pissed. Oh, yeah? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You mean angry, he or, walked out. angry or drunk? No, he was, he, well, the amp had died. It melted on him. Uh. And he plugged into another amp and walked out at the whiskey and tore it down. Yeah. He's great. I love that guitar, man. I've played a few of those, the Grissom model. And so, Adam Hawley plays one of those. He's a yeah. great smooth jazz artist. Then Mark Tremonti is another arena guitar player. Has yeah. the ability to reach people all the way out in the corners. We, you said Herring. You've got, and God, there's so many good guitar So, players. Jimmy Herring, what is it that you love about Jimmy Herring? I get a hard hit when he plays. Yeah. I get, it feels like here. Right in the heart. Yeah. So, and by the way, you know, Derek Truck, when Derek Trucks is playing, Derek's, he's headed for the money note. He's going to spend five minutes, but he's headed for a note. Yeah. Herring. It's another ball game. It's some sort of fluid up and down thing that gains pressure and melodicness. And he's telling a story. And when the solo is over, people are screaming. Yeah. I saw him at a outside venue in Atlanta and he played a five minute solo. He didn't repeat himself once and it just got better and better and better and better and better. Amazing. So he's also the it, most humble guy, not too. One of the guitar. Huh? I was going to say, Herring is, Jimmy is like the humblest cat either. Have you ever like offered him a signature model? It seems like he wouldn't want one. Or, many times. He's like, because he, he plays your guitars. But many times. Many times. I was wondering if he, if That's that not going to happen. He doesn't want to be, he, he, he sees it as a fluid event, which he doesn't want to be restricted. He yeah. doesn't want to be restricted. Anytime he turns around to the boat, he wants to pick up the, the next tool. Yeah. Right. I, you know, look. I mean, there's not a guitar player on the list that's not gifted. I've never met a rock star that didn't belong there. Not once. Not one time. I mean, all these musicians you've been playing with all these years, they're all gifted, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Name another one. This is, this is really fun. Tell, name another one. Give us, 
I mean, it's so amazing that you know these cats on a level that most people yeah. could only dream of or like take, for example, Al DiMiola. He's got a signature. Al is, is a frighteningly good guitar player. I'll tell you a John McLaughlin story that blew me away. John used to call me for 30 years, say, one day you'll be good enough to make me a guitar. 25 years later, uh, call my account. 20 years later, eh, one day, Paul. 15 years later, one day, Paul. 10 years, five years. About five years ago, he walks into the booth at Frankfurt and he goes, ah, what do I need another guitar for? I said, John, am I finally going to get an order for you? He goes, I don't know. I handed him a violin guitar with a Pernambuca neck and he looks up at me and he goes, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. I said, John, can I finally get an order, please? He goes, this is what I want. I'll be back in a year. He's like, I want this 30 years ago. Why didn't you offer it to me? Well, because I'll explain. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Is it good? So, so then... I made him a guitar. He sees it on the internet. He waves it off. Didn't get it right. So then we change it for having a tremolo and the other thing. And he waves the second one off. He sees the third one. Now remember, this is three guitars. Now it's a year later. He goes, that one's good enough. I'll come to Frankfurt. So we go to Frankfurt and uh, he shows up in the booth. But me and David Grissom and Davey Knowles and Orianthi and all these people are over uh, Martin Simpson. All these great guitar players are over doing the awards, this, the MIPO awards. And he um, says, no, I won't see the guitar without Paul. Where's Paul? He says he's over at the awards. So he puts the gig bag over his shoulder and leaves and heads for me. And he walks up in front of me at, right as sound check ends. And David Grissom goes, <laughs> can't believe it. Couldn't believe John was standing in front of him because he grew up learning all the Mont Vishnu stuff, right? And John said, I've got the guitar. I said, have you played it? He says, no. I said, well, okay. And he sits down. And he opens the case and he puts it in his hands. He goes, oh, no, I love it. Oh, no. Now, that night at dinner, we were in tears, not because he loved the guitar and not because he liked it and he was going to play it the rest of his life. We were in tears because he had told us the future for 30 years. He was the only Jedi Knight we'd ever met yeah. who could tell you exactly what was going to happen 30 years later. I, and that's John. I believe and it. Yeah. And we had another one of those. Chuck Brown was that way. He could tell you what was going to happen. Oh, man. So, so Chuck Brown, when the lawsuit happened from Gibson, I, I just got a call from the lawyer that was in my office. And the lawyer said, you won the case. And, I, and then my door was closed and I was stunned. And I hung up the phone. I was stunned. I was like, oh, my God, we won the case. And my phone rings. And I pick it up. I go, hello? He goes, Chuck says, congratulations. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about, Chuck? Congratulations. You know what I'm talking about. I was like, Chuck, he goes, congratulations, Paul. And he hung up the phone. Wow. Nobody called him. No lawyer talked to him. He was what we called on the grid, knew what was going on. I had not called anybody. I hadn't talked to anybody. And the next thing we did was have a meeting with all of our employees to say we won this lawsuit. Nobody knew. But Chuck, congratulations. Oh, my God. That's, I mean, that stuff would mess you up. That, yeah, exactly. That's mystical, man. I don't know. Haven't you ever met somebody like that that could tell you what was going to happen? I think so. Athletes are like that. They never say they were going to score if they didn't score. They never said I knew I was going to score if they didn't score. Somehow athletes know a few seconds ahead. I've seen a few. Yeah. I predict we're going to win the Super Bowl. But no, it doesn't. <laughs> but yeah. No, that's different. That's, that is that's different. different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. 
That's just bravado. That's in the moment. You're talking about in the moment on the yeah, turf. Yeah, but John knew what was going to happen 30 years later. One day, son, you'll be good enough to make me a guitar. Oh, my God. I think... That's a challenge. On a side note, Chuck Brown, rest his soul. Yeah. That DC go-go sound is, to me, the, one of the greatest sounds, greatest types uh -huh. of music that never really yeah. fully got its fair share in the mainstream. It's so great. Except that Bustin' Loose was a hit on every single thing. Yeah. I, you're right. It doesn't. I, I, I still play Go-Go with some of the Go-Go people. I love Go-Go. Go-Go's still big time in D.C. It's street music now. It's the funkiest I don't know. I like Go-Go. I love it. There was a band in the Bay Area called the Limbo Maniacs that were all about it. And they did it so well. That's how I learned about it from them. This is back it's, in the 90s. It's, he it's heavy swing. Heavy swing. Yeah. Just... <laughs> And the snare drum sounds so huge yeah. in go-go music. Yeah. So, so I have a go-go snare in my studio. It's a 12-inch Brady that's about 10 inches deep. Crack. Sweet. I mean, if I thought, I'll tell you another story. One time that we the set was over, and there was a line of guys to talk to me and a line of girls to talk to Michael Alt. And a wrong line for the wrong <laughs> thing. They were talking to him about getting a date, and me, they want to talk about gear. Right. Not good. Not good. Wrong line, <laughs> wrong person. Such is life. Oh, yeah. So that was the well, story. Never had, huh? <laughs> that was the story. Okay, gotcha. Why not? Yeah, that's funny. Now, one time. So that, Go ahead. Go on. One time, go. One time I had you twice. Once with Dweezil Zappa, once with Orianti, uh -huh. when I was still mm -hmm. the director at the guitar program at MI, mm -hmm. had you come in and do some clinics. And they, they were both really great. I love the way you took over the room. And we're walking around engaging the audience, you know, a couple hundred guitar players. And I remember one of them mm -hmm. asked you, so are you ever going to build a seven string? And you were like, yeah, what? Do we really need seven strings? And now you've got like the seven string stuff, like the um, Mark Holcomb model. Another good, really good guitar player. Yeah. So uh, tell us about the evolution of you building seven strings. I didn't go kicking and screaming. I wanted to. I thought what these guys were doing with seven strings was remarkable and I wanted to be a part of it. I just didn't think by the time you got to eight, nine, and ten, it got a little out of bounds. Um, Coffee table of strings. <laughs> no, the problem is it's on the fringes, right? But seven strings not on the fringes. Seven strings are huge sounding. Hey, I got to show you one of my other PRSs. This is the Mike Mushock PRS SE. Another good guitar player. And it's a baritone. <laughs> to do that man i'm a i like to slap them in between guitar and bass and baritone is the nastiest sound you can get and this is you're making me smile <laughs> is that a tune you wrote um that's yeah. a great groove thank you those are, i've got a million of those kind of grooves um some of them are officially tuned i like that one well it's I li is that a tune is it done no it's uh let's 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 do it together all right, so slow it down. Well, I've got it recorded, luckily, in case I forget what I played, but. God, is that cool? Well, I'm glad that you like tune, it. That's so cool. That's so cool that it would have two, we should write it with two tempos where it starts slower yeah. and speeds up at the bridge. <laughs> 
But I just not that fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That, that was you're talking about going to double time or something. No, I was talking about bringing it up into a quarter and a triple. So one, Well, we'll have to work on it, man. You gotta um play here. You play a little lead over it. Uh-uh. I'm not touching that. That thing's too cool. I, I'm ba- it doesn't need a solo. <laughs> it you. doesn't need a solo. But I'm basically playing. It's like in, in between bass and guitar licks. That's what I I know. It's great. It's a great groove. And you get the harmonics. I really going. dig it. And the thing with the baritone, and I, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but you can get really high notes, especially if you slap the harmonics. So, Jude... It's like a Van Halen groove. Yeah, man, I'm definitely cool. influenced by the... <laughs> yeah, we should call Mike Anthony and get him in to play that one. All right. He'd tear that to shreds. Oh, well, talk about heroes, yeah. Yeah, he'd just go like this. Oh, that's the, that's the halftime thing. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the running with the devil. I know Jay Gore is laughing. Every time he hears a podcast, Van Halen always comes up and he always... <laughs> Jay, I know you're listening. He's a great guitar player, man. Well, Eddie was a great rhythm guitar player. I don't think... You know, people don't talk about his rhythm. His rhythm was extraordinary. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it... a guitar player oh my god yeah so true so what's your favorite guitar tune of all time oh my god of all time favorite guitar tune are you kidding all time me? you would get to see played live these kind of questions cause my brain to lock up um let me think about that for a second what's yours I wouldn't answer it with as a guitar I would ruin the question I would say I wish I was standing on the stage when they at Woodstock at two in the morning when they did I Want to Take You Higher with Sly of the Family oh, yeah. Stone when Larry Larry Graham was killing it. I yeah. It sounded like a train coming off the stage. I'm with you. It's, it's all about moments. I would love to be there that moment. And when I was a kid in the seventh grade, they used to play video movies like literal film. Yeah. On a projector. And there's some kind of movie about music and I was kind of falling asleep. And then all of a sudden Sly Stone came on. It's like a yeah. lightning bolt yeah. went wake through me. Wake up. Yeah, wake up. There's uh, Eric Johnson played a whole Hendrix set at the Vintage Guitar Show. And if you watched it on, on YouTube, there are two men screaming in the background. That's me and Andy Timmons <laughs> screaming in the background on it. the side of the stage, losing it like little girls, wetting ourselves. I love it. Because too. Eric was killing it. He was killing it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some moments of guitar playing where you just couldn't even believe that it was happening. You just couldn't even believe it was happening. Yeah, I've seen. I saw Johnny Winter one night. He looked 10 feet tall and was laughing. He was playing so well. Amazing. Laughing yeah. at the audience. He was giggling. He was playing so well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to even compare. I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan when I was 13, and he was still basically playing clubs. His record, his first record yeah. had just come out, and I was on this my elbows on the stage right in front of his yeah. cowboy boots that was pretty amazing never forget that one you can still hear <laughs> well he did have big plexiglass things in front of his amps did he really yeah but you're right that was so loud even with those i i had the same experience with little feet 
I was the only person with my head on the stage, and I watched a bunch of geniuses go at it right before Lil' Joe pissed away at yeah. the Warner Theater. It was unbelievable. That's amazing, man. So I I, I like I like good guitar players. I I saw I saw the Allman Brothers from the side of the stage a few times when everybody was killing it. Um, yeah, you got. It just breaks you know makes my heart race. I just love it. I just can't even believe it happens. I never got to see Hendrix. I never got the, you know, I was 13 in Woodstock. My parents wouldn't let me go. Well, you were asking me what my favorite moment. I One of my very yeah. favorite moments is, and this is not original, but uh, all along the watchtower, this, this, this yeah. solo break. When I hear that, like, it brings tears to my eyes because it's so beautiful and because I can hear where Hendrix was headed had he not died so young. I could just hear the brilliance that was coming. And that's yeah. one of the greatest guitar solos. Like, you know, it's just the slide part, and then there's the rhythm guitar part, and then there's the wah-wah part, like all in a row. <laughs> yeah. It's extraordinary. I, I, he loved Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan thought he made that tune his own. There's a famous story about Hendrix. They said, what's it feel like to be the best guitar player alive? He says, I don't know, call Roy Gallagher. Yeah. Rory could play. Yeah, totally. I had Jeff Beck. I mean, God, there's so many good guitar players. Now let's talk about another one of your uh, signature artists with a signature guitar, John Mayer. Tell, tell us about him. What's your take on him? John's completely gifted. He's just stupid good. I've seen him play so well, it got the, it, the air got weird. I mean, he's really something. Um, he was in my office once, and he, he as he was singing melodies that he was making up, he was playing them while he was singing them. Yeah. The guy's... A melody machine. He knows melody. He knows it really well. He's, and I think what he did, being in the Dead and Company, turned him from a singer songwriter into a guitar player. Yeah. In terms of world reputation, and I, you know, John's 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 something. <laughs> I know. John I love it. I remember when he first joined the Dead. Like I know a lot of people from all types of music, and they're like, John Mayer and the Dead. That's the stupidest. I was like, just you wait, just you wait. Well. He told me the story about that. They were getting killed on the internet. And I said, he said, but I told the band not to worry. And I said, why, John? He says, because we'd been to rehearsals. They hadn't been to rehearsals. We knew it was coming, right? S Steve Vai was in my b booth once, and he goes, well, I've been thinking about it for a long time. I think he's a great guitar player. Yeah. So uh, he's got great meter. He's got great melodic sense he's got great harmonic sense and he's a really good songwriter somebody at a very famous studio took me aside and said you know something we have a lot of musicians in here but every time he leaves there's a hit on the radio <laughs> yeah he's got that thing he's a, that was at east west in la yeah. yeah he's another smart cat I, I did a cover story on him once for guitar player magazine really fun guy to talk to talking about john yeah 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 i've seen him do he had, he did one thing at dinner one night. I had to gather myself. I'm a guitar maker. I'm okay. I, 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 he needs guitars. He <laughs> was imitating all the most famous comedians in about 45 seconds. He did them all, but he did them all a little better than they did themselves, and it was new bits. I was like, uh, how'd you just do that? <laughs> I would love to be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I looked over at the drummer, Steve Jordan, who was at the dinner table, and he acted like nothing special happened. I went, oh, no, this happens all the time. Because to me, I didn't ever see that kind of thing, right? I, I like Johnny's. He's good people. 
Um, I think all of our endorsers, I don't know if one of our endorsers is not good people. And you have so many great players too. I've, I, obviously, I've been focusing on those who have signature models, but so many great yeah. players that I don't, know, I don't know if they have signature models like Paul Jackson Jr., great. Paul Jackson Jr. has had a signature model, another really good guitar player, walked in my booth, said, you need help, I'm going to help you, get me some guitars, and the next day he was on American Idol. Oh my God, oh my God. That's incredible. Paul's been spectacular. By the way, really good guitar player with really good meter. That those funk videos, his rhythm guitar videos, are astonishingly great on YouTube yeah, and yeah. and yeah, what a great player. And then Dave Cleveland, another yeah. I was just going down that rabbit hole. Look, you keep mentioning really good guitar players, right? Yeah. I mean, this is not an accident. These people have really worked hard to be that good. I mean, and and obviously they're gifted too. It's not just hard work, but you know, I, I would not make a good sumo wrestler no matter how I worked <laughs> on it, right? Uh, so it's got something to do with doing what you know God wants you to do in this world too, right? That's a good point. I mean, people always see a great guitar player, especially non-musicians, and be like, "Wow, you must have worked so hard to do that," or "You're so disciplined." But sometimes it's beyond discipline. It's like some kind of obsession or some kind of river that's going through the person. That makes them great. Very often, Jimmy Herring and um, Eric Johnson will be pra practicing right after they get up to stage. Did you ever see this movie? Um, that was deep, by the way. I don't know any guitar player who plays right after a gig. I've seen them both do it. Wow. Yeah. I've seen Martin Simpson do it. I mean, maybe I've back at... Tony, I've seen Tony McManus do it. I mean, Tommy Emanuel's picking up a guitar afterwards. That's awesome. Like, I mean, maybe Have back at the Have you seen Tommy play? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been on the show. I've face-to-face -face. i've done clinics with him too uh he's wonderful yeah he's just a, uh, have you seen this have you seen this movie uh free solo you mean about climbing el capitan yeah or something? Yeah, I, yeah i think i saw most of that okay did you see what he did right after he finished uh, let me guess he went down in his van and started doing pull-ups on a sharp piece of metal <laughs> you didn't see that i don't know if I, I you know i think i watched the first three quarters Oh, you! The end is the part where the where the film crew can't look in the camera; they're losing it. Yeah, when he's underneath the ledge like a bat going across the. Yeah, I made it. I made it to the where he makes it to the top. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right after that. Yeah, yeah. He goes down in the van, starts doing pull-ups. Yeah, those guys are crazy. Like you know, you know, like John Madden, the football coach. He's like afraid of heights. He's like, if you're ever looking for me, don't ever look up in that Goodyear blimp because I won't be there. You don't got to look there. I'm that way about rock climbing. I, I would never, ever get on even the smallest rock like that. <laughs> Me either. So if Alex is watching this, his name's Alex Hennold, right? Yeah. Is that his name? Um, yeah. Tell Alex to call me. He's got way more in common with guitar players than he has any idea. That is truly amazing. So, um, I mean, he what, he spent three years on the wall uh, in the gym before he ever tried it? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Guitar players are that way. They'll sit in their bedrooms for three years before they ever play a gig. And you got Dennis Chambers at the camp, too. Coming uh -huh. up, a great drummer. Have you ever seen Dennis teach? I've never seen him teach. I got to play with him once in Maryland, play at Crossroads with uh, like Jeff Berlin and, and guys. Just, we were playing a gig, and he was there, and he sat in for one song. But I've never Did you enjoy the feel? Oh, yeah. I'm a, I've been a fan of his since, I guess, the Schofield album. Um, yeah. Loud jazz or something. Yeah, so Dennis and Gary Granger played. Gary played bass on that, right? And um, it's been an honor. I I think the world of Dennis. I think he's a good human being. Yeah. I think he's a beautiful human being. He's gifted. He's powerful. And to watch him teach is just a joy. If you're going to watch this 
masterclass. Whatever you do, don't miss the Dennis one. Yeah, he, he's an um, unbelievable tsunami. Well, I've talked to you about so much stuff today. I got to talk to you just for a second, too. I got to tell you, I think you make the best tuners in the business, the uh, tuning machines. God, I thought you were talking about <laughs> the the uh, the tuner that attaches to the head of the guitar. No, like, okay. You've, you're talking about the tuning machines. The, you're, yeah. you're, they got like a couple hints of brass in them, which I love aesthetically. It looks so cool. And then the locking mechanism is the best. When do you decide whether you want to put an open tuner on one of your guitars or a sealed back tuner? What's so let's do this real quick. If you take an old Les Paul that's worth $300,000, and you put Grover's on it. Now it's worth $225,000. <laughs> so those tuners cost you minus $75,000. If you plug the holes and put the original tuners back on, it's now worth two seventy-five. dollars So that repair made you $50,000. But you right? still lost twenty-five. dollars okay, Yeah, but <laughs> it doesn't really matter. The point is that the, but if you put a five-way switch on a 57 Strat, it doesn't change the price. The reason that is is because that extra weight and all those extra locks and all those extra um, um, bolts on the headstock change the sound of the guitar. Yep. And everybody kind of knows that. So when you're looking at these tuners right here, they're they're grommets and without bolts. And then the, I've taken as much weight out of the back as I possibly could. I love those. And the buttons are made of plastic. Everything I can possibly do to lighten them up and get them to not be bolts. If you put a bolt through a bell, it deadens the bell. Right. So in my world, I know it It looks like it's just an open tuner. I'm trying to get weight down. I'm doing it for yeah. a different reason. That's what I figured. But even the closed back ones seem like they're pretty light. Yeah, we're trying to do everything we can possibly do to bring the weight down. Was that a challenge? So, go ahead. Huh? No, go on. Was that a challenge in your early days? Like, because you're... You're doing the woodworking and the design and the electronics and the pickups. It was machine, machining your own hardware. Was that like the final level or when did that come into play? I was a machinist. Um, I learned how to be a machinist from a guy named Eric Pritchard. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't a machinist good enough to make jet engines, but I was good enough to make bridges and tuning pegs and things like that. Look, a guitar maker is a jack of all trades, right? Yeah. Is that a 305 you just picked you, up? Yeah. Dude, that went by the screen like half a second as I was switching guitars. And you, yeah, <laughs> you picked up on it. Well, it was because it had a carved top and three of the single coils, yeah, right? Yeah. So that's a 305. Yeah. Three pickups and five tones. Um, I don't know. For me, I wish I would, had been a chemical engineer, an electrical engineer, and a mechanical engineer, and all the other stuff because it would have been a way shorter learning curve. The problem is pickups are electrical engineering. Uh, the, all the bridge stuff, all that stuff's all mechanical engineering. All the jigs and fixtures is industrial engineering. I could have used some physics degrees, but I had to learn it by the seat of my pants with teachers. And, you know, same thing I, uh, being in a band. All this stuff you're talking about I love. I haven't lost my love for the guitar. I haven't lost my love for, you know, listening to you play that tune. Huh. I think that tune's killing it should be written. That's a good deck. That's the basis of something special. Gosh, thank you. Why don't you go find Lukather and finish the tune? <laughs> oh, but yeah. Like, Lukather is a buddy. He's been on the. Is he really? Yeah, he's been on the show. But um, he, yeah, he, very good he lives player. just, as I like to say, really close to me, just five tax brackets up the hill from me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, he's actually a good singer. Most people don't know that. He's a very good singer. Oh, yeah, he is. Well, I mean, people don't realize that he sang on Rosanna and a lot of the, their hit songs. They're like, that's Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily the high Didn't, notes, but. Now, he, now, they gave that to the other guy. <laughs> There's a tune he sang called Do You Remember, which sounds a lot like Paul Rogers. I'm going to check that out. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you, Paul. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, I don't have to keep you here all day. Maybe I could make you jam a little bit more. I love the, this 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 neck, by the way. Like, it's amazing. Like, this guitar is kind of like a Stratocaster in terms of its 25 and a half inch scale. But I swear that the, it feels more solid with the set neck. Like, it could be my imagination. but No, it, it probably it, does. Feel, is, isn't that 25 and a quarter inch scale? I, th I think this one is actually 25 and a half. And I know that you had a couple right. other guitars that were 25 and a quarter. Like Jimmy Herring plays one. What is that guitar called? Looks kind of like a... NF3. Yeah. You know what impressed me when you did one of your clinics with Orianti, like, because your clinics, man, anything could happen. You're like... Hey Ori, grab that guitar, play something for us. She's like, and she there's like an acoustic guitar there. And by the she way, you tore get, it down. You donated so many guitars to MI. It was incredibly generous of you and your company. By the way, like maybe ten guitars, really nice ones. But she hopped up there. You said play a blues or something, so she played a blues, and it was you put her on the spot, and she kicked ass. It sounded yeah. so good. Just an acoustic guitar through the PA system or something. It's cool. I enjoyed doing that. So guess what? It's time to go back to COVID. I hear you, brother. I, I'm going back to COVID. Is it, You're in your own house, but I'm at work. Isn't that like a um? Back to COVID. I love that. I love that sound. Going back to COVID. COVID. <laughs> COVID. LL. If you want it, if you want it to not be a hit, name it that. <laughs> well, it's an LL Cool J song. I think it's about California, but I changed the lyrics. <laughs> Seriously? Going back to Cali. Cali. Going back to COVID, I love it. it. Man, thank you so much for doing this, man. It's no, been an incredible no. hour. The thank you comes from me. Without you spreading the word about all this stuff, and you've asked me a lot of questions nobody's ever asked, and you spreading the word about the school. The thank you comes from me, Jude. Thank you so much. Oh, man, keep it alive till forever, brother. And uh, Thanks. Take it easy, Paul.